We have several scriptures to read. If you will, turn with me to St. John. We'll have it also on the screen so you can read this. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then St. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And this is John the Baptist. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, that heard him speak, followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak, followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You should be called Cephas or Cephas, which is translated a stone. And then we're going to continue on this with verse 43 to 51. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Keep that in mind. Philip was from Bethsaida, the same town of Andrew and Simon Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we had found him of whom Moses in the law and also the uh, prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Father, bless the reading of your word. Speak it to our hearts as The seed is planted, may it bring forth fruit. In Christ's name, amen. Recently I was riding down the highway and I was asking the Lord what message did he want me to speak and what should I speak on next? Well, he dropped 
two words into my spirit, the invitation. And so if you look at the title, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of the best at having titles for messages. Some people are just very keen on that and are able to have some colorful, great titles. But this one I really like, The Invitation, The Invitation. Now we've read into your hearing several occasions where there were invitations. The first one was the Samaritan woman, or some call it the woman at the well, which told the city folks or the town folks or the village folks, come and see. The next one was where uh, John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God. And there were two of his disciples standing with him that saw Jesus and followed him. One of them being Andrew. And of course, after that, he just had, listen to this, he just had to find his brother Simon Peter and told him about Jesus and said, come with me. And then following that one, Philip was found by Jesus. Jesus went looking for Philip. And then Philip went and found Nathaniel and had Nathaniel to come. So you have all these invitations. So that's the reason I said the invitation. I love that. I love that. Look at your introduction as we read it. I, just, I could just read this several times because I just love this invitation. Speaking of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, can you imagine coming to the city well by yourself in shame and returning to the village, leaving your water jar or your water pot behind, proclaiming the gospel to the people who rejected you? She had found it. She had had a drink of living water. Her life, her influence, her world was suddenly changed, redeemed, and made significant. Have you been blessed by the Christ? Have you received the drink from the Messiah? Then why not join this unnamed woman and invite those in your world to come meet Jesus so they can also find the Messiah. One of the greatest stories in the entire Bible, especially the New Testament, is found in John chapter 4. As you know, Jesus must go, the Bible says, by or through Samaria. There was this racial and cultural barrier between the Jews and the Samaritans. A long story of why there was such a division. The Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. Would not even speak to them. Especially back then, a man to a woman. And yet Jesus goes through Samaria, sits on Jacob's well, or by Jacob's well. The disciples leave him, go to town to McDonald's to get a hamburger. They went to town to get some food. And Jesus is sitting there alone. And all of a sudden, this woman comes at noontime. You didn't go get water at noon. The containers that they carried, either on their head or on their shoulders, were very, very heavy. It was hard work. Most of the town folks came to the well to get water in the morning, early or later on in the evening. But this woman came at noon. 
because this particular woman was somewhat of an outcast. She had been married five times, and the man that she was living with is like a lot of people today. I said a lot of people today. I said a lot of people today she lived with, but she was not even married to him. And so she was an outcast. She was a nobody. She was a Samaritan. And when she came up, Jesus said, could you give me a drink? Well, she was startled. She was absolutely startled that Jesus even spoke to her. And there's probably not a person sitting here today that you aren't very familiar with this text. And you know, you've not heard this story over and over again. Probably a message that I've preached on more than probably most messages I've ever preached. Jesus said, would you give me a drink? And she was so amazed. She said, how you, being a Jew, speak to me? Being a man, speak to a woman. She couldn't understand it. And then he started this conversation with her. And he said to her, if you knew who it was talking to you, you'd ask of me and I'd give you living water. You don't have anything to draw with. How are you telling me you're going to give me water? You don't have a bucket. Jesus said, you drink this water, it doesn't satisfy. You drink the water I give to you, it satisfies. This conversation was somewhat deviated and changed and she talked about worship. The Jews worship in one place, the Samaritans worship in another place. Jesus said, the time will come and now is when man will worship me in spirit and in truth. This person changed her life. She was totally changed, redeemed. And after, and it's a long conversation. After this long conversation, she ups, jumps up and runs down back to town. Leaves her water pot there. Now, I don't know why she left her water pot. I can speculate. I think probably she was so enthroned with what Jesus said until she didn't think about the water pot. I think she was probably maybe so excited until it being cumbersome and heavy that she was in such a hurry to tell somebody about what had happened to her. She just simply said, I'm not going to let anything impede me from telling somebody about this man. But she left it. And she went down through the village and she said, come see a man that has told me all things. Come see a man. She didn't say come to my church because we have a lot of programs. She didn't say, would you come and listen to my pastor? He's such a great speaker. She didn't say come and and enjoy our music. She didn't say come to our church. In fact, I want to drop something in your heart today. I hope you listen to it. Asking somebody to come to your church is not the same as asking somebody to come to Jesus. She said, come and see a man. This woman knew men. She knew knew how they could treat her. 
abuse her, misuse her, beat her, no doubt, mistreat her. She knew men, but she never met a man like this man. I'm going to say that again. She knew men, but she never met a man like this man. This man. She said, come see a man. She didn't say, go see a man. She said, I'll go with you. I'm, I'll lead you to him. You know, in our invitations to, to, and I believe that when we get saved and we're excited about the Lord, or we really are born again and become a, quote, Christian. I believe we want to tell others about Jesus Christ. Andrew had to tell his brother. Philip had to tell Nathaniel. I mean, there's something about knowing Jesus Christ and, and him revolutionizing your life. I hope you did. It's more than going down to the altar, kneeling down and just making a confession and getting up the same way and living the same old life. There's something about meeting this man that revolutionizes Every person that ever really, truly meets Jesus, they're changed. If you weren't changed when you met Jesus, I'm concerned about your relationship. If he didn't excite you, I don't know. She was so excited. In fact, you just wonder why. When you look at these scriptures and it says that they came out to see her several times, three times. It says that the city, that the church, that the uh, town people, they all came out. What influenced those people? What about this woman? That her testimony was so powerful that it influenced the whole town. There was something in her voice. There was something in her presentation. There was something that had changed about her. We have a hard time getting people to come to church. I'm not too sure that if we had that same excitement, that same glow, that, 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 that same invitation, that same excitement, enthusiasm that we were bubbling over. She said, come see a man that told me all things. I, I looked at that and it states it three times in St. John chapter 4. It states it three times. When she's talking to the Lord, she says... Before she leaves, she says to him, Lord, I know the Messiah is coming and he will tell us all things. I thought that was interesting. They had it in their mind that when this Messiah came, he would tell them all things. You see, Jesus showed her to herself. 
He revealed her to herself. She opened up and saw herself as she really was. And she knew she needed something to change her. He will tell us all things. Come see a man that has told me all things. And then at the, at the very end, it says that in verse 39, and many of the Samaritans, verse 39, of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Now you may be sitting here today and you may think you've got things hid. Let me tell you something. You don't have anything hid from him. He knows your ups and your downs, your shortcomings, your faults, your words, your thoughts. Oh, wait a minute. Your thoughts? Even our thoughts. I mean, three times it's mentioned in these few verses. I know that the Messiah will tell us all things. Come see a man that's told me all things. And then they came out because of her testimony when she said he told me all things. Did you know that one day all of our thoughts and all of man's thoughts are going to be revealed? Did you know that Jesus Christ is coming back and people that have had things hid and and lived sinful and ungodly and immoral, they're going to fall and on their knees and they're going to cry for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them because he knows all about them and they know he sees right into the depth of their heart. I'd rather get it revealed now and get it under the blood, hadn't you? Aren't you glad that he knows all about us? You know the thing that I think this woman was saying really deep down in her heart? I think with all of her sin, with all of the things that had gone wrong in her life, I believe she was saying, this man knows all about me and still loves me. Wow. And some of you think, or maybe have thought, you know, if, if he knew, if, if somebody knew all about me, I don't even know if they'd even look at me or not. I don't know if they'd even care about me or not. I'm here to tell you that Jesus knows all about you and still loves you. No matter what you've done, there is not one thing that you could do to make him love you less. And there is not one thing that you could do to make him love you more. Let's look, at, let's look at a little bit of the outline. Come and see a man. First of all, you have the invitation, come. Isaiah 55 says in verses 1 through 3, I love this. Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. Ho, oh, everyone who thirst, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come by and eat. Yes, come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. 
here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David. This is an analogy about eating and being satisfied but he talks to the soul and that's what's hungry today. That's where people are hurting today is in the soul. That's the reason, reason we're miserable. That's the reason that there are millions of dollars spent on pills because people don't know what to do and they're, they're miserable on the inside. And Jesus said, come without money. Come without price. Come with an open heart. Come repenting before me. Lay your sins up the altar. And he said, you shall be satisfied. You can go to the coast and you can go to the mountains and you can go to Las Vegas and you can go to Six Flags over Georgia and you can go to Disneyland and Disney World. You can do all the things you want to do, but you can walk away from every one of them unsatisfied. But you can come to Jesus Christ, kneel at his feet, surrender your life to him, and all but does he satisfy He satisfies. He satisfies. He satisfies. The invitation. Come. What an eager invitation she had. Oh, I've got. Where's the water pot? I don't care. Who won the ball game? It doesn't matter. Who won the election? I don't care. There's one thing I care about and that's telling somebody about this man that can take away their sin. The invitation, the eager invitation, come see. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Peter came in from the water fishing. Jesus Revealed and they didn't catch anything Jesus revealed. He said, cast your net on the other side. They cast their net on the other side. They caught such a number of fish. And when Peter realized who it was, he fell down before Jesus. And he said, oh, I'm a sinful man. But we've, we've built a barrier against all of that. We have so much pride. We, oh, I'm just who I am. Oh, I can go down and say a little prayer. But if God would open up our eyes and see what we really are, who we really are, the sin and the awfulness of our life and fall before Jesus Christ and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. How long has it been since you've heard people cry out like that? The invitation and then the insight she realized how guilty she was. Jesus changed her life. The invitation, the insight, the insight, and then the identification with a man. And then number four, the inspiring told me all that I ever did. And then you have the instant results. We need to win our neighbors. But we need a testimony that'll win them. We need something burning on the inside of us, like burned on the early church, in the early church. 
the disciples had such a testimony. On the day of Pentecost, the anointing of God fell in that place and they spoke in tongues and the fire of God fell, came upon them and Peter stepped out on a platform and he said, listen, you need to repent before God and their hearts were pricked and 3,000 people came to the Lord because of that fire, that testimony, because of that, that excitement and because of the anointing of God. We need to win them. We need to be an Andrew and go out and say, hey, Peter, you need to know Christ. We need to be intentional, folks. I think I've heard that a time or two, haven't you? We need to make sure that we're intentional and we need to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need the power of God, the anointing of God and a changed life to affect those people. We need to be more excited over Jesus than we are in anything in the world. Anything. We get excited when we get married, don't we? We get excited when we have a baby, don't we? Here, have a baby. My wife just had a cigar. I mean, here, you know. I, I, I just, I'm. We get excited over a lot of things. A lot of things. But there's nothing in this world any more exciting than to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. God, stir that back up in me again. I remember as a nine-year-old boy, I got saved. My granddaddy ran ran Pine Ridge Service Station. Pine Ridge Service Station. It was a two-story building with a, a grocery store at the bottom and gas. They sold gas. They lived upstairs. I'll never forget. I ran up those stairs and I told everybody about Jesus Christ. And I really literally thought everybody I spoke to was going to be saved. I just knew they were going to be saved. I mean, you can't, you, you can't know this and not be saved. God, I want that restored back into me again. That excitement. That enthusiasm. That burning desire, that first love that I once possessed. This woman was so effective until it was absolutely amazing. Look at Roman numeral number three, inviting the lost. The Christian life is based on the twin pillars of discovery and communication. Andrew discovered, he communicated it to Peter. Philip discovered, he communicated it to uh, Whoever it was. <laughs> Philip Nathaniel. His name slipped me. The, let me say it again. The Christian life is based on the twin pillars of discovering and communicating. I've discovered something I want to communicate. Let me read on. No discovery is complete until the desire to share it fills our hearts. First to find, then to tell. Thirst to find. If you're telling without finding, it's not going to do any good. But if you find and tell, it'll affect people's lives. Amen? It will affect people's lives. That's what God wants for us to do. And number two, intercede. The Cadillac of evangelism is just a a great means of reaching out and being able to know what to do and what to say and to tell people about Jesus Christ. 
It's called evangelism explosion. I went to Fayetteville and to the First Pentecostal Church there and trained James with James Kennedy's evangelism explosion. And it's important that we know how to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. What we did, let me tell you what we did. First of all, we gathered, gathered in the church, probably 150 of us. But we prayed. I am a firm believer in intercession. I wonder today how many interceders do we have? How many intercessors do we have? How many people that really cry out to God and say, Father, I'm going to witness today. I need you. I need you. What a story of Antoinette that saw the person at CNH. She had a story to tell. That woman reached out to her and she had something to give to her. And then she followed up. Great, great story of what we, how we should be, not just at church, but at a restaurant, the filling station, the grocery store. An opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. An opportunity to pray. But listen, if we witness today, if we evangelize today, it must start with the prayer of intercession. We must intercede. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to create a hunger for God in the hearts of those that you witness to. God grant it today. The great invitation. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Amen. What an invitation. Come to me. Notice what we wrote. A relationship with God changes meaningless, wearisome tall into spiritual productivity and purpose. That should be cut out and put on the refrigerator. I love that statement. Listen at it again. Let it, let, it, let it find a lodging place here and in your heart. A relationship with God changes meaningless, wearisome toil into spiritual productivity and what so many people don't have today, purpose. Number two, don't allow the pleasure of, pleasures of this world, money, security, and material possessions with its temporal satisfaction stop you from hearing the knock of the Savior. You say, why would you read that? Let me read Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. The word there with the King James Version is sup, S-U-P. And when you study that and what it was written in in the Greek, it means the best that you can offer. We're out here eating McDonald hamburgers when we could have a filet mignon. We're feasting on the devil's uh, whatever, and, and, and yet we could be able to really enjoy rather than the scraps that fall from the devil's table. 
If any man will open that door, don't allow the pleasures of this world, money, security, material possessions with its temporal or temporary satisfaction stop you from hearing the knock on the door. Have you heard the Lord's knock on the door lately? You know, you've got to get quiet sometimes to hear that knock. You've got to stop the world from spinning around and around. You've got to, you've got to cut off the radio and turn off the phone and, and, and to cut off the television and, and sh- just listen. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, that means you've got to open it. That means that you have got to take responsibility. And opens that door, I'll come in and sup or I'll come in and eat with him. And have fellowship. There's nothing like having him to come in and fellowship. I'm ending. Christ will enter only by the invitation of faith. And number four, letting him in is your only hope for lasting fulfillment. Father, thank you for the reading and the message of your word. God, help us to be like the Samaritan woman. Though an outcast... Though rejected, though trying so many things to satisfy, realized that this man had the words of life. Only this man can give living water. Lord, I pray for our America today. I pray for this nation. When people are running to and fro and trying everything in the world, to satisfy. They come up empty. They come up gasping for breath. They come up drowning. They come up, Lord Jesus, so unsatisfied, so dissatisfied. Help us to realize only you have the words of eternal life. Not the church, not some preacher, not some program, but only you. If there is one man, one woman, one young person here this morning that is yet to receive you as their personal Savior, may they say an eternal yes to you. God, speak to our hearts today.